Welcome to Beyond the Field Podcast, your weekly dose of finance, property, and epic people doing epic things powered by the team at Money Empire. Get informed and entertained with the coolest cats in the business. BTF Podcast, I've got my trusty little psychic who's new to the gig, Sanj, next to me, and we have the lovely Linda Moore from The Money Mentalist. How are you, Linda? I'm very well, thank you. Happy to be here. Always good to have you on. Today's a... Um, Quite an interesting topic, probably coming on the back end of two years of COVID where people want to strangle each other, but uh, in a nice way. We wanted to discuss maybe collaborative law. Um, it's a big fancy word. Did you want to just maybe describe or explain in your terms what that is? Yes, yeah, so collaborative law is a way where couples who have decided that they want to separate can actually go through the process and it's non-adversarial. So that means that um, you don't end up killing each other at the end of the process um, and the lawyers are there to help and guide you through the process and it's a very different approach. Um, I've just completed my course um, because I'm now certified what they call a financial neutral in collaborative law and the big difference that I've noticed is going through the training is when you go and see a lawyer for whatever it is, the first thing they want to do is give you lots of advice and tell you what the law says. In this process with collaborative law, what they want to find out from you is where would you like to end up at the end of this process and then let's kind of fit the law around it. So it's not like you're entitled to, let's go and fight it. It's like, what's going to work best for you moving forward in your new life? You know, you still need to want to have a relationship with your partner, particularly if you've got children. What are your best interests? What's the kind of outcome you would like to have through this process? So from a client perspective, I think they feel a lot more cared about. And, and you know, you get to tell your story, which, you know, quite often you go into a lawyer's office, the clock goes on and you kind of feel you've got to just get your points across. So it's a very different touchy feel from a normal kind of process. Okay. Um, yeah. And interestingly enough, um, on my course, there were some fifth-year law, fifth law students and they were on the course because they said through our whole university training, we're taught how to be adversarial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? It is. Linda, from from your experience with um, clients, if they went down the normal path of yes. seeing a lawyer for a, a normal separation, mm-hmm. does that lawyer also flip over and do the collaborative law side as well? Can they do both or not? Um, so uh, there, you have to be collaboratively trained as a lawyer. So the couple will go in and both of them have collaboratively trained lawyers. Now, collaboratively trained lawyers will also do you know, normal adversarial work. But if they have a, a client come into them and they, you know, and the client's saying, you know, we don't want to fight, we, we want to just sort this out nicely, then collaborative law is a really good way to go. Now, some of the more experienced lawyers, um, like Selena Trigg, who's based in Christchurch, she's been doing this work now for 10 years. She will take on some, you know, adversarial work because she finds the process still can work really well. Mm. But but it's, it's ideally suited for those couples who have done most of the work themselves. You know, they've been able to sit down, they've been able to talk, they've come to see you, they know what they can borrow moving forward, and they just, they kind of go, we just need to get the paperwork done. 
Yeah. And and when you go into an adversarial, you have your lawyer, they have your lawyer, they send lots of letters backwards and forwards, and what you think could be a very simple process can end up taking a very long time and cost a lot more money. Yeah. Yeah. Do you generally see, Linda, that these couples that you're talking about, are they generally in a better space than what the opposite side would be? Uh, yes. However, having said that, you know, there, there is what we call the separation roller coaster. And for those of you who have been through it, and, and I've been through it more than once, generally what happens is, is one party is way ahead in the process. They've made up their mind. They're out the door. They're moving into their new life. They tell their partner and their partner's right back. They're just about to get on the roller coaster. So they've got all this emotional stuff to go through. Collaborative law understands that that's part of the process. So sometimes the lawyer may actually go, we're not going to have this meeting today because my client isn't in the right emotional space to be able to handle it. And as part of the collaborative process, they also have mental health professionals as well who can come in as part of that team. The other big difference is everyone sits around a table. So there's the couple and there's their lawyers and they all have all the meetings together. So it's totally transparent. Yeah. So there's none of this, he said, she said, you did, my lawyer said this, your lawyer said that. It's all there in the open. Yeah. So it's quite quite different. Yeah. It's interesting because how you normally perceive a separation ha- happening is nasty, knives yeah. in the back, everyone's trying to get the best for their camp and get out, you know, with yeah. probably the least amount of damage to their back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas it sounds like this way is definitely more open and could be a smoother transition and sounds better if there's kids involved too, right? Yes, certainly. I mean, I've, I've been doing property relationship work for a number of years and a lot of them I have been involved in have been the adversarial. Um, and, you know, just one of them I was involved in, it took five years to reach a settlement. Um, one party's legal bills were over $250,000. And during the process... Uh, I was acting for the wife, um, she got breast cancer. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, so you can kind of see that it just totally, just, it can totally destroy a family and it can totally destroy, you know, your, your health along the way as well. But with, with, the, with the collaborative process, because you actually, when you go into the process, you agree that you are not going to go to court. So you actually sign an agreement and you say, we want to sit down, we want to work this out. And if if it can't be worked out, then you all go your separate ways. You can't keep the same lawyer. So there's a huge motivation to resolve it through this process. And you have brainstorming about, you know, what how you can sort the property out and how you can work with the children. It's it's very creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not going into a court situation where a judge says under section da 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 da, this is what we have to do. So you get you uh-huh. still stay in control of the process, which I think is a, another important factor that you know I don't think a lot of couples actually kind of realise what they're getting themselves into when they go down this kind of you know the adversarial route. Mm. So Linda, from a from a layman's point of view, um, so as a couple, you don't go to court to I guess to fight each other but you still go through the legal processes and, and yes. that's actually done um, in, the, in, the, in the legal way, right? Yes, yeah. So you have to have independent legal advice. So basically you can get to the point where you've basically decided everything yourself and then you go to a lawyer and your partner goes to another lawyer 
And I, I had dinner with one of my accountant girlfriends a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about this. And she said, this is exactly what happened. The couple, they had a very large asset pool. They worked everything out. They went to the lawyers to just get an agreement drawn up. And in her words, the shit hit the fan. Mm. The lawyers mm. got involved, and it just all turned to custard. Yeah. And unfortunately, this happens a lot. It doesn't happen all the time, but mm. it happens quite a lot because lawyers are trained to be adversarial. They go guns blazing for their client to get the best for their client. Mm. And sometimes that just, in this particular case, you know, it completely upset the apple cart. So for, for is this for everyone? Or is it for um, only a certain type of couple in a certain type of situation? What, how would you? I, I, think, I think it's an option for everyone. Because the collaboratively trained lawyer takes you through a process so that you understand it and you can go, yes, I can work with this process, or no, I can't. Right. So the lawyer will help it will help guide you as to whether it's a good option for you or whether it's not an option for you. The thing is that it's not that well known. Oh, that's um, what I was going to say. I That's exactly my next question to you is, most people would not know about this. No, they wouldn't. Uh, so I think I first met Selena about 10 or 12 years ago when she was first doing her training. And of course, the, the, the thing is, you have to have two collaboratively trained lawyers. And mm -hmm. it has taken quite a long time for more lawyers in New Zealand to come on board. But now there are. There's quite a lot of them. There's quite a number of them in Auckland, uh, Christchurch. I did some training with a lawyer in Invercargill, even. So it is becoming more popular because you know what the what the lawyers are actually saying is this adversarial stuff. It's burning them out as well. Yeah, of I I can only imagine post COVID. Oh, you know yeah. what would be happening out there, and mm -hmm. yeah, some lawyers will be licking their lips because they can see fees coming. Yeah. Um, but others will be going, geez, there's going to be some burnout from mm -hmm. our end. Mm -hmm. yeah. So from a, from a practical point of view, let's say, for example, I'm divorcing, <laughs> Hi, yeah, I'm divorcing <laughs> Kane. Um, who, who starts the process? How, how does it work? Because as, just like you said, a lot of people don't know. What you don't it's know, right. you don't know. You just go to a lawyer and the lawyer says, let's go through the court system. Yeah. So how do we, how do we start this? Well, it's starting it by exactly having the conversations that we're having. Is um, actually making it the collaborative lawyers actually being a lot more out there and talking about it a lot more. So that's the first thing is actually identifying and getting it out there and knowing that it's out there. If you happen to accidentally find a collaborative lawyer just in the process of looking, that's great. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in that system. So there is a, a lot of onus on us who are trained now to get out there and promote it. Um, mm. And lawyers actually aren't great at promoting their services. They're so not. busy. So that's the first. So for a couple, the first issue is where do I find a collaborative lawyer? Before we even start, what do they do? So that's the first challenge they've got. Once they find one, it's then an interview process. You go through this questionnaire. You then uh, both... You, so one lawyer would say, here's another collaborative lawyer for your partner to go and see. And then you basically sign this agreement that says, we're going to go down this non-adversarial way. We're going to be open. We're going to be transparent. And they start with the meeting. And then what happens is people like me, financial neutrals can be brought in and I liaise and understand the numbers. And then we might go, ah, oh, there's a business here. We need a business valuation done. Yeah. Now, in the adversarial way, one would go off and get the valuation done. 
And then the other person would then challenge it and then they'd go and maybe get a second valuation done. And if they still can't agree, you might need a third valuation done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there are accountants involved. Then they're looking at five years financials. They're looking at debt carrying. And then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. it's it's an open hole. It is an open hole. And and you need big checkbooks to, to actually go through that. I mean, even if you don't end up in court, um, I think last time I spoke, and this is probably two or three years ago, it, you know, you can easily be looking at 25000 mm-hmm. for a comparatively simple divorce if there's a business involved, and that's just the legal fees. Linda, do, in your opinion, does it come down to also the relationship at the end and if, if the individuals are on good terms in communicating? Because I can imagine if one was away with a another person and the other you know was pissed off there would be a big difference in having collaborative talks yes Uh, and in some ways that's where collaborative can actually help um, because you actually can get it all around the table and also part of this agreement that you sign is that you're actually going to be nice to each other outside of the process as well as within it and there's very very strict confidentiality so yes of course in these meetings there's going to be tension and there's going to be emotions but these lawyers are trained how to deal with that emotion. Yeah, of course. So, so that's that's also the difference. But I th- there are, I think, a lot more couples, and as we say, particularly through COVID, where they've actually come, we've been 24-7 together. This just isn't working. We're just not right for each other anymore. It yeah. doesn't mean we hate each other. We've just realised we're just not right for each other. Collaborative law is perfect for them because they can still talk about it. They know at the end of the day they, they are going to continue to have some kind of relationship, potentially because they're children. So let's make this process as positive a process as we can because they also get taught not just on the financial side but things around parenting. There's a huge amount of support for them as parents. How do we talk to the children? How do we work afterwards putting parenting agreements and things like that in place? That's all part of this process as well. So we kind of, you know, we you kind of we kind of wrap around the clients and guide them through this process in a in a gentle and a more gentle way. Your in your experience of working with these clients in this um type of facility are there any negatives that um you would see from it early on that obviously turn into positives at some point but is there a negative that you think oh actually that would be handled better on the other side um to be honest i don't no i I really haven't i haven't um, I think it's a very it's a different skill set that these lawyers have, um, and if they think that it's best to go down the adversarial route, uh, yeah. for example, if you look at the kind of you've got one incredibly controlling narcissistic partner who is yeah. going to make life incredibly difficult, then they probably wouldn't enter the collaborative process anyway because yeah. they're going to use it to try and manipulate. So yeah. they would probably be actually I'm not the right collaborative lawyer for you um go down this path and maybe adversarial would be better for them yeah Yeah. Yeah. how many times hard on the other partner but sometimes it's just not the right not the right fit have you seen it where they've come into the collaborative side and one person's just stopped and said the same for me i'm going the other route um i haven't personally um but obviously you know selena who does this full-time all the time um Initially, in the early days, sometimes that would happen. But yeah. as the lawyers become more skilled, that happens less frequently. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, Linda, who, who makes a decision as to whether it's a 
collaborative or not in the sense if one partner wants to go down the collaborative path the other one doesn't yes who how does that how does that work out you seem to be keep looking at me too oh, you were solid. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well it's it was really interesting we, we had in our training a little bit of a session about this and it's amazing how you can quite be kind of quite subtle around how you approach the person who really isn't interested and sometimes mm. it's like you kind of leave little brochures on the table <laughs> <laughs> depends on the person sometimes sometimes it might be that the collaboratively trained lawyer gets permission from the client to actually contact this person directly and have a conversation with them so there's a lot of different ways and means that that you actually can address that situation but if you get someone who just will not and does not want to engage then you are stuck because you have to have it on both sides so what you're saying Linda if I go home and I open the fridge up and I see a post-it on the post-it note on my butter in the fridge I'm in trouble (laughs) (laughs) but she wants to do it in a loving way (laughs) might not cost as much Um, tell us um your role in this I'm quite interested to hear your role when you're in there around what you're doing okay so I'm what they call a financial neutral so I'm the person who gathers all the information so it helps gather all the paperwork together, uh, looks at, helps what is the asset pool that we might be looking at, um, do we need to do a personal budget, can you, you know, have you got enough money to move out now or do we need to look at you both staying in the house and how are we going to manage the money through this kind of transition. Um, then, you know, if when we look at it we might go, actually we do need some financial experts so mm. those financial experts are authorised financial planners, mm. mortgage brokers, accountants, valuers, all of those kind of experts. And I would liaise with those because, of course, my background being financial, I can mm. talk the same language. So, mm. so I tap into kind of the pool. And they, financial experts do not have to be collaboratively trained. Okay, so we would just go out to the pool and go, we need this particular expert to come in and I kind of help interpret and help them understand through that process. So I I would be involved fairly early in the process and then I might leave partway through the process because we've done the numbers side and it's now all about the children. So I kind of help coordinate the number crunching is probably the best way of kind of summing up what I do. I actually see, Linda, your role probably being one of the most important in it, Uh, obviously the legal side, but financially is, I think, when people are going to go through a separation is what scares them the most, especially if there has been a stay-at-home mum yeah. Um, or one of the parties hasn't been working, all of a sudden they're like, wow, what is going to happen to me? Yeah, yes, there is. And, and potentially I can continue to work work afterwards with either one or both of the parties, you know, once they're through the process. That's not a problem. I'm not and you said you it, <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. So you're, you're fine, you're fine. Um, yeah, and I think, and this is also where I guess, you know, the psychology side of it also comes in too because I can help unpack what's going on emotionally around mm. the financial aspect of it and, and mm. you know, the styles and all of that sort of thing, um, which is why when Selena kept nagging me and nagging me, saying, hey, Linda, please, 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 and I, I finally, I acquiesced, I said, yes, it's, it's time. I'm, I'm really, I'm ready to kind of em- embrace this now. So mm. that's why I came on board and decided to do the training. That's nice. awesome. What's the most common thing that you see when you get in early from your role? Is mm-hmm. it that they've got a family home, they're all living in, and one party says, well, where am I going to go and how am I going to afford it? Is that the most common theme? Yeah, living arrangements is one of the most common things, yes. 
yeah. Uh, and, and quite frankly, now a lot a lot more are having to stay in the house together for a period of time wow. because it's you know not financially able potentially yeah. to move out. So it is actually, uh, they come into it and going, we know we need to separate. We've got no idea where we are financially. We don't think we can afford to go separate ways yet. Um, how do we manage the transition? So you kind of put a transition plan in place while you're yeah. going through the rest of it. And then and the, the second biggest concern, of course, then tends to be the kids and how are we going to provide for those. And you need, obviously, both parties to agree to that. Yes. If one party says, no, I am not living in that house collectively for that time, how do you get around that? Because it's not like you can turf someone out on the street. No. Well, again, this this is where the teamwork between and the creative and the whiteboard and the yeah. what can we do. And yeah, right. then what, what typically what happens is you start with what would you like the situation to be mm. and then you apply the numbers to it. Yeah. So you go, what would you like to do? And if they go, well, actually, I want to go out here and I can, we're going to do the da-da-da and you write it all down and then you go, okay, now let's put some numbers around it and see how realistic it is. So you kind of get that emotional side of it as this is what we want to do. I can't stand yeah. you anymore. I've got to get out. And then you start going, okay, well, from a realistic point of view, yes, we can do this and you've maybe got $100 a week rent. Okay, go and find somewhere for $100 a week. And then reality kind of goes, ah, okay, let's look at other options. Yeah. So that tends to be sort of, you know, the, the process as to how that actually would happen. Just on the subject, obviously, is there anything else that you'd throw out to the listeners that's really important or or good to know for people that um, follow our podcast? Well, I think the thing is that, you know, if you have reached the end of the line, and I think this was certainly for, for me when I've gone through separation, is you need to make sure that you have done everything that you possibly can to feel that you have done the best you can in the relationship to make the relationship work. So if that means going to couples counselling, whatever that takes, so do all of that maybe before you start to then talk yeah. to lawyers and things like that. Mm. If you've done all of that and you're still going, our relationship isn't working, it's not right, it's not going to be the best for the kids, then go and do some research and find yourself a collaborative lawyer. If, if you live out of Auckland, and you can, we can do it on Zoom. It doesn't all yeah. have to be face-to-face. -face. So just go and find, look up Collaborative Law. There's the whole directory of who all of them are and just reach out and contact and start the process through that Collaborative Law process before you get yourself stuck into the, uh, in, into the adversarial system. It's a lot gentler. It's, probably, it's better for you emotionally. Uh, it's probably better for you financially. And it's better for you when you come out the other end as well. So a question I was going to ask, I think you may have answered it um, to a certain degree. Um, do you promote this somehow? Because what you what people don't know, they don't know. That's a lot right. of people would turn up to a lawyer and say, look, we are going through a divorce. You know, what do we do? And if that particular lawyer is not uh, trained in this, they're not going to offer, right? Yeah. No, they're not. And this is where it comes and this is where it comes down to. I'm reaching out to everyone in, in my network that I talk to, all the journalists that I know, everyone I know, to go, hey, this is here. Mm -hmm. We need to talk about it. Um, even uh, uh, you know, some of the other like for example, Money Hub, they have a big divorce guide. There's nothing in there about collaborative law. So I've messaged them and said, Hey guys, you need yeah. to know about collaborative law. You need to have it in there. Yeah. So um, there's myself and there's a lovely divorce coach called uh, Kimberly Sweeney. She's a huge advocate advocate for um, collaborative law as well. So and, and there's a few of the lawyers who have actively promoting it as well. But it's kind of down to us who are in the team to actually get out there and get it known. 
for the listeners so they know, how do you charge? Uh, I charge on, it's usually um, either an hourly consult rate or if we're doing budgets and things like that, then I can put together a package. So it's usually just a a charge. And again, we do all estimates and things like that. So it's all up front. Awesome. Linda, it's fantastic having you on um, as you uh, come on a fair bit. But this has been really actually interesting for me because I didn't know a lot about this. And I had to Google it when we're going to talk about this. So it's been quite eye-opening for me. Um, Linda, give yourself a plug. Where can people find you? Uh, moneymentalist.com or you can email me, Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, at moneymentalist.com. And highly on behalf of um, the podcast BTF, we would suggest to go see Linda. She's awesome. She's lovely. She's open and you've got um, experience, life experience as well, right? So you can always help out. And, and, I uh, certainly can, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sancho, as always, pleasure. Thank you very much. Really good. Thanks, Linda. You're most welcome. It's been good. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Field. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with your mates or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, you can follow us on Instagram at Beyond the Field Podcast or send us an email at info at beyondthefield.co.nz. Thanks again, and we'll see you all next time.